Hello and welcome to another special episode of Watching Worst Films, the podcast in which we watch every Razzie Worst Picture winner. As it's a special, however, we're going to be breaking with our year-by-year review and taking in something a little bit different. So this episode, we're bringing you our Valentine's Day special, which is fittingly the movie Valentine's Day. I'm your host, Jericho Reed. With me, we have Kyle Shemansky. And we are also welcoming a guest to the podcast, Marnie Weinstein. Hello, welcome. Hi. Marnie's very much the the fifth Beatle here in terms of she was the first person to really champion the show and to give us constructive feedback Mm -hmm. and notes and to sort of like channel our weird energy in terms of like, yeah, Revolution Number Nine is great and all. I know you guys are loving doing things that are like twenty minutes long and interesting only to you. But have you thought of like narrowing it down and making it a bit more verse chorus? So it's a pleasure to welcome you here to the podcast and to introduce you to the listeners. <laughs> yes, Thank welcome. you. Yeah, you guys just you were perfect. You just need a little little fine tuning. But I'm no expert. I just like to criticize yeah. things. Yeah. And we're very grateful for yeah, it. Yeah, Jericho, you needed uh, reined in a little bit. You're you're, you're <laughs> You're the Lennon to my McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, without getting too inside baseball, Marnie is responsible for all the most like commercial accessible parts of the show. Like the Darren Doan interview wouldn't have happened without Marnie being like, hey, so do you guys want to give like any vague thought to what you're trying to accomplish with this podcast? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, right. Yeah, sure. And then like we're we're always sort of very conscious of like okay well i'm trying i try and keep in my mind don't something too outrageous or contentious and i have more to thank for again thinking of not you guys are boosting my ego you definitely don't need to do that honestly as far as i could tell you were in the right direction sometimes you just need a little bit of a shift focus and that's all i did was help you guys figure that out (laughs) Well, but the work is all you like you guys did that you got the speakers you got it all like that was all you well thank you very much you've been yeah, thank you very much incredibly <laughs> gracious but we're happy to welcome you here for this special which is 2010's valentine's day so marnie your experience with valentine's day the the film not the phenomenon not the day <laughs> yeah i was like you want to go into that um <laughs> no like it's it's definitely a cute film. It's a feel-good, family-friendly film. Lots of side comments <laughs> about it, <laughs> where to begin. But no, it's a very cute film, and what a perfect film to choose for. Why not choose a film that reflects the day, right? Well, had you had you seen it before, just to start there? You, you had. I had, yeah. But when it came out, like it's, when did it come out? 2010? 2010. Did, did you see it in time. theaters? Yeah. Okay, there we go. I was in high school, you know? Like, everyone went to the theaters when one cheesy movie came out. Plus, it was the time of Twilight. Like We were all Taylor Swift's going to see (laughs) Valentine's Day with our Taylor Lautners. It was a... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so there we go. Marnie had seen the film. I have not seen the film. Kyle, have you you seen the film? No, I hadn't even heard of it. I thought I did, but I think it was a spiritual sequel, New Year's Eve. I think that's the same director. No, you got it in the wrong order. Okay, well, I heard of one of them, and um, <laughs> I, I, and I and I've seen Love Actually, so I guess I've seen this film. But no, I, I've never seen or heard of it. This is nothing. No idea what it was. And they have another one, um, Mother's Day. They have a couple of 
yeah these so, are just their themes are holidays on, like. ensemble holidays yeah yeah <laughs> i completely failed i said this at the end of the last episode is i will need to look up what the name for this genre of film is like the kind of like anthology like magnolia kind of thing where we get like a bunch of like separate stories that kind of like interlock because and then i think there's an even more specific word that captures those ones that are like set around the day but those sort of like collage type films yeah uh, six days casino royale <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> um a reference which i'm assuming marnie won't be familiar with but i certainly know what you're on about no one will <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so i was kind of loosely familiar with it as one of those i swear you must have like dealt with it as that kyle because these were pretty big sellers and i remember like stalking this on the shelf but anyway is this not this must have been near my departure i mean the the rise of taylor is the it's the rise of gaga i'm more associated with taylor swift is probably just passing it or i had to check out of working at this point as well <laughs> okay i feel marnie's being very gracious here and not being like okay you guys your history of working as that isn't isn't <laughs> interesting to anyone else <laughs> two old men reminiscing in a rocking chair being like do you remember when the fame monster came out sure do Sure do. <laughs> so this film on a budget of 52 million grossed. Do either of you care to take a, a guess? Uh, Marnie, do you want to take the guess here? Mm, no. <laughs> I don't have with, an educated guess. <laughs> I'm going to go with 160. Oh, I feel like that's too much. You thought that's too much? It in fact made 216 million. So okay. this wow. is very profitable. I'm surprised at how low the budget was as well, considering... Um, the ensemble of cast they must have got paid quite yeah. low exactly you think some of the names here would account like you think salary alone would would sort of take up a chunk yeah. of the budget we'll deal with them when we when we summarize but whole incredible cast and crew here but it, it actually says in the trivia how much julia roberts got which she received three million dollars reportedly and her part has 251 words which averages I was say, out. She was barely in it. <laughs> she sat in a plane with Bradley Cooper for yeah. a day. Um, but her her paycheck apparently evens out to eleven thousand nine hundred and fifty two dollars per word. She said, "What's that like?" <laughs> so, like, if she's getting paid that much, is like, is Kathy Bates working for scale here? Like... Yeah. <laughs> well, Shirley MacLaine out of everyone, she should be like, "Listen, I'm a Hollywood legend." <laughs> So let's let's get into the plot of the film. Yes. So we open up with Ashton Kutcher in bed with Jessica Alba. It's Valentine's Day. We get well, we get what's his name? His name is Romeo Midnight, is the 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 radio guy who's like, Hello, hello, hello. It's a <laughs> sunny Valentine's Day in Los Angeles, and I'm in the mood for love. Oh, okay. So Romeo Midnight does his little and then we get a little bit more from Romeo Midnight throughout the film, but we sort of start off with Ashton Kutcher and Jessica Alba. And the first thing I have written down is Ashton Kutcher is like, when I was a kid, most of the advice my dad gave me was crap. But there was one thing he told me it was pure genius. If you're ever with a girl that's too good for you, marry her. Which, and then it's like, bang, here's the ring. There's so many things about that, though. Like, no context into their relationship. I mean, I guess because they're in bed together, you make an assumption. But they just throw <laughs> it into the proposal. Yeah. And, I mean, to each their own. But proposing on Valentine's Day is one of the most cliche things you can do. So you know that it sets the tone for the movie. 
what got me is you know she's barely awake you know she's half yeah. asleep and you're like uh, yeah i guess i'll marry you uh, is it a dream like give me a chance let me have a coffee uh, yeah. think about it let me open my um, eyes yeah and like i i just feel like every woman dreams of a proposal which starts out speaking about your dad giving you crap advice like uh yeah you know like most of my dad's nonsense but one thing he did say was like ashton you're a piece of shit and if you ever convince if you ever call on a lady into thinking you aren't you put a ring on that asap and you get that locked down because you are never gonna amount to anything the meaning behind it is nice but i definitely think the choice of words being someone who has been proposed to i'm glad my fiance didn't include his family's issues <laughs> into my proposal but you know <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah definitely yeah, choice work he sticks the landing that's for sure like he ends on like he he does the right arc where he ends on a good note if he was like would you marry me my dad said that uh, my dad said that if i if i met a girl i liked i should propose on the spot because he was he was really not good to me but you are very good to me and please don't ever leave me so yeah there are ways that that proposal could have gone um a lot worse Plus, who says no to ashton kutcher you know like you don't say <laughs> no for that. <laughs> Unless you're Demi Moore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is a, like must be close to the two and a half man time for him, and it's the exact energy and delivery, and it's the manic energy as well. It's exactly how he portrayed it. Then I'm not the best with Ashton. I know him from that '70s show. I know him from two. Yeah. I know him from sitcoms. I don't really know. And the butterfly effect. I don't know him from movies much, but this is. This is barely acting. This is what I imagine Ashton's like 24 7 all life, the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yep, he, he proposed. I was also, he, it's a strange couple. Again, I don't really know what this is going to be about. I don't know these segments. Um, I know this is doomed for failure because no one's very happy at his proposal instantly. So, yeah, welcome aboard. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> I, I just want to address a note I have here, dog. So we later learn the dog is called Carmine, but I was in love with this dog. I I was just like, oh, that's such a good dog, such a good movie dog. I wish I had Carmine. Oh, I'm not rooting for this relationship, but I'm rooting for Carmine to be happy. You guys better give Carmine a loving home because, yeah, yeah, great movie dog. I was, I was looking forward for the dog's romance subplot as well, you know. Like, you don't <laughs> set him up that early. Like a Lady in the Tramp style. Yeah. <laughs> this dog's going to be eating some great. meatballs later on. And then we get on to Jamie Foxx and Kathy Bates. So Kathy Bates is like the like floor manager of like a, yeah. a show. And Jamie Foxx is a like reporter, isn't he? He's yeah, the second yeah. best. Yeah, the second best sports reporter. The backup, essentially, when there is no news and he gets annoyed that he has to go and do coverage on the streets instead of the yeah. meat and potatoes, the real the fluff he's doing the fluff like, of he is the fluffer yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say i was really happy to see kathy i said it to you at the time uh i, I love kathy bates um i don't expect her much in Razzie movies even though she has a fair stinkers along the way um so i, I lit up here this is the first casting choice like i don't give a shit about ashton or alba <laughs> or even jamie fox but i'm happy and i can't wait i can't wait to see what kathy is going to be doing for the next hour and a half you know woe is me yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I I loved the film. I had like a great time with the film. And so Marnie was separate to us because what might be useful for as we get deeper in, as me and Kyle completely forgot about like what the plot was, who knew who, what was going on. 
we more or less just came from watching this film. Whereas yeah. Marnie watched it separately a few days ago. But just to let you in, Marnie, me and Kyle's experience was just like back and forth, me going like, I'm loving this film. This film is great. I am having a fantastic time with this film. This is so enjoyable. Um, it's, it's a fun film. Like, it's an easy watch, and it's definitely enjoyable. It's a fun a, I, I thought it was an easy watch, and again, we'll get into it. I didn't love it in the same level as you were, Jack. I enjoyed riffing on it. I enjoyed yeah, for 40% sure. of this. Um, there was a lot of bits I really did like, but there was a lot that confused the hell out of me, and I don't think if I was if I was watching this alone... I wouldn't have had such a good time. I think I would have tuned out a lot more. But I, I I can see the appeal and it was easy to watch. It wasn't and especially so when it's like opening, I'm seeing these horrible sitcom credits and I'm seeing this cheesy style just pop soundtrack put over the top. And I am my heart's sinking. I'm dreading it, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting in that. Like it has the weirdness, it has bits I really like in it. Has people I like in it as well, which really yeah. helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I more or less agree. Like, if, if I'd had the Marnie experience of seeing this in theaters and I couldn't talk to like the person I was with about it, <laughs> if I couldn't make jokes about the film, I probably wouldn't love it quite as much. But it for sure is an easy watch as, as Marnie. I said. watched this film twelve years ago in theaters. I don't recall the conversations <laughs> I was having. <laughs> You're too engrossed. You couldn't, you know, you couldn't look away wow. from the screen. <laughs> <laughs> So I have another quote from the film here, which is Jamie Foxx setting up his character. He's like, I'm a player and I shut down my playerness from New Year's Day to St. Paddy's Day just so I can afford this. Which, does that set up his arc in the storyline or doesn't it? Uh... What arc? <laughs> I don't no, no. feel like it does. No. It, like it, It's weird to establish Jamie Foxx so predominantly at the start as well because he's gone for the next 90 minutes. So yeah, like this this felt like a line maybe for Patrick Dempsey or someone yeah. else. Um, and it's just, fuck it, Jamie Foxx has only got three lines, give him something to do. But yeah, it was a weird start for him and Kathy Bates. I, I expected, I didn't realize how many segments there was going to be as well. So obviously <laughs> some of them are going to drift away and just be forgotten about. Jamie Foxx could be deleted out of this film. You could delete all his scenes and it wouldn't make a single difference. I also found it was interesting because this set him up to be seen as a player but then later in the film he basically is on the trajectory of i'm not a player i just don't like valentine's day yeah two two storylines there (laughs) it it seems like the film just has to justify like jamie fox isn't going to be here for a long time so either he's a player and he's poor or he doesn't like valentine's day but for some reason he we need to explain why he's not getting up to any hijinks but he does is this our first connection is he's then down at the, the does does he go down to the flower shop to cover it? Yeah, because that's yeah. the fluff story he doesn't want to cover. Yeah, um, that it's the best selling day for roses, obviously for a florist. Yeah. And, do you um, have the stat? I no. <laughs> um, do you? I misheard it because I thought Ashton Kutcher said one hundred and ten red roses are sold each Valentine's Day, and I was like. Surely must be more. Surely must Patrick be more De- than 100. Patrick Dempsey alone gets 110 <laughs> red roses. <laughs> so Ashton Kutcher, who runs a flower shop, which we haven't addressed, he's at work and they're doing like a promo piece. And that's where he's like, listen, everybody, I'm Mr. Flowers. I'm Brandon Flowers. I uh, love selling flowers. And 110 million red roses are sold each Valentine's Day. And then we segue into Patrick Dempsey and Jennifer Garner. 
is there anything important to how they're introduced? Are they in bed or are they just like, hey, everyone, it's yeah. a loving couple? They're in their bedroom. Yeah, okay, everyone's yeah. in their bedroom when they're first established, yeah. really, apart from Jamie Foxx and Carthy. And Edison, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, we'll come to Edison. Um, but yeah, so this is it, Patrick Dempsey. And this is a segment I've kind of, despite just watching, I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> so you're going to have the card here. Okay, so Jennifer Garner is just in a loving relationship with Patrick Dempsey, isn't she? Well, they don't really establish don't, yeah. that. Because you don't know okay. what's like, you know, like you don't know whether it's just a hookup or a proposal. Yeah. You know, you just open them; they're in bed. It could be, a, you know, just meeting for the first time, waking up, sobering up, or it could be a ten-year committed relationship. It's not <laughs> set up in any way at all. It's not set up, and then she just, and then you kind of realize within a few minutes because she kind of starts discussing her friend's single. I hate Valentine's Day party, but it it alludes to that she's single, but then they're together, so you kind of question what their relationship actually is. Yeah. And it's left to your own discretion, I suppose. Thank you, because I was just going to gloss over that completely with like, well, <laughs> she's there in a stable, but you're right. There are question marks raised immediately. And then they part ways. He's off out of town, isn't he? Or... He's going to heart surgery in San Francisco. Yeah, so the movie's set in Los Angeles, as uh, Romeo Midnight tells us, and she's like, okay, I need to go to my uh, job yeah. of being a school teacher. And then we have another quote here, which I'm pretty sure is Ashton again. I think he might tell this to Jamie Foxx in the news report. Love is the only shocking act left on the planet. Which I'm not really sure about. I get the sentiment, but I think there are more shocking things someone could do. Um, For sure. <laughs> and then... We get our, our next couple, which is Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway. So if if you if you guys were like, what's their what's their relationship between Patrick Dempsey and Jennifer Garner? This is the one where I was like through their, their early scenes, these were probably two of the actors I like the most in terms of I really like Anne Hathaway and I quite like Topher Grace. And so their initial thing, I was like, Okay, is this a hookup? Cause she's like oh, like, I'm a gymnast, and let me take a bunch of Polaroids of you yeah. while you're in bed. Um, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It seemed like a one-night stand, and then it was really weird that she was taking photos if that was a one-night stand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, no, this happens to me all the time. <laughs> so, so this is probably the scene where I, I started paying attention as well because it was weird taking the polaroids i love tofer i covering up han hathaway here but um <laughs> I, li I like han as well i i you know i think they had instant natural kind of chemistry as well which was already even better than alba and ashton and stuff like that tell visually that it was going to be a one night stand or their first time because it's obviously tofer's bachelor pad where he's basketball hoop and you know he's <laughs> It's, it's it's his little apartment that's hidden away but i really you know liked it and you know they've got this instant sort of spark between them tofer's playing it cool um but anna hathaway has to leave and this threw me off right away when she leaves and goes down to her bike and answers a phone call which then she puts on an accent and starts having phone sex essentially does she do an accent for the Even first one i'm sure she does for mm -hmm. every single one yeah every single yeah. one okay i thought it was just like she was just like i thought the first one was vague enough again this is probably me just being an idiot and having killed my brain through watching bad movies and no longer being able to focus 
But I thought the first one was vague enough where they were implying like, oh, she's just like a standard sex worker. Of she's just like, yeah, like I cater to weird fetishes. Like, sure, what are you into? Like, it's like, well, it's like, yeah, it's either that or she's, you know, having a fake life somewhere else with someone, someone, someone else rather. I think the fake accent makes sense as well because if you accidentally answer the wrong phone call you know if you answer to your mum or dad and you're putting on a russian accent and talking about whipping or something you can dismiss it and hang up quickly and oh someone else i was hacked um it's a deep fake (laughs) i think i think the other thing too as well is it's kind of similar to the jamie situation in that they like before even the phone call they presented him to be this like oh, whatever kind of dude. I just hooked up with a girl for a one-night stand and she seems clingy. Yeah. She like, went and bought coffee for him from their neighbor. You yeah. know, she, she's taking photos of him in yeah, bed. I, never actually, I, had, I didn't even pick up on the coffee thing because that is weird when you actually think about it. She's already yeah. introduced, she's already set the neighbors straight that he's not gay as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Which is, yeah. Which is a weird line. And um, But Topher doesn't even blink at this. He doesn't no. even... Yeah, whatever. Similar to the whole Jamie situation that we talked about is that when you fast forward through the movie and you talk about their relationship later on, it's a whole different personality. Yeah. Maybe it's the sex worker thing that's giving her these <laughs> abilities to change through personalities, <laughs> but it's it's an odd way to set it up if it's not going to be followed through. That's an incredibly like charitable reading of the film. Like I'm sure like if the screenwriters were here, they'd be going, Yes, Marnie, you're right. That's it. <laughs> Got it. Um, uh, she's as experienced with John's and just like she's a people pleaser. She's a chameleon. That's that's what it is. Yeah. It's not poor screenwriting. Cause it's just like, yeah, I was I was kind of like, she's so like it I, I wondered if it was like a oh, is this like building up to like like with 2010, I was pretty prepared for this movie to have like reprehensible politics insofar as like minorities and sex workers and things are concerned. So I was like, are they building her up to be really nice and like really like perfect? So when they reveal that she's a sex worker, it kind of like she's justified it where it's like, oh, well, she is a sex worker, but she brings mm-hmm. you coffee. So you know what? Like she's, she's one of the good, good ones. She has a part <laughs> of gold. Yeah, I thought that might be what they were doing. Because when she was like taking Polaroids and bring him coffee, I was like, are we going to get two for Grace going like, listen, my dad gave me one piece of advice. If you find a girl willing to take Polaroids of you at 6 a.m., you marry her on the spot. I'm going <laughs> to just propose this. It's like, hey, listen, brother, I got engaged. And Ashton's like, cool, me too. What dad said? Yeah. And you find out that they're brothers, but that isn't the connection, unfortunately. So moving on to set up our next couple, I think I stopped taking notes at a certain point, so we are going to run out eventually. Shirley MacLaine and who was my note? (laughs) Okay. So I didn't know this actor. Like, Marnie, did you you know him? Um, He was in Princess Diaries, as far as I knew him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so this is uh, Edgar played by uh, Hector Elizondo and so for the all intents and purposes in this film he's Mr. Shirley MacLaine so they're um an older couple and they have like their grandson who is Edison and like it's 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 a big day in their household because Edison's like going off to school and he's kind of like worried about like Valentine's Day. He's is, is he making a card or what's he doing? Yeah, yeah, I I think... Think, yeah, making a card. The card plays into it later as well when they're all all the kids are posting their cards. Yeah, and the way they speak about him, they're like, 
oh, like his mom. Do they can't say normally? They must say his mom used to do this with him, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, or or, she, or something like she's gone. I thought was she's line. not present. Yeah, they don't yes, allude to yeah. what actually why the mother is not there, but she's not yeah. present. Okay, because yeah. I'm an imbecile and just like take the bait. So I was like, oh, the mom's dead, and so yeah. when the when the the grandfather is helping helping Edison with his love life, I was just like, this is just a love actually storyline. This is mm-hmm. Liam Neeson helping the kid from Game of Thrones catch the eye of the girl in the school play. But that that that's what we get is mom's out of the picture, presumed dead if you're Jericho, presumed just <laughs> absent if you're a, a regular human being who listens to the movie and doesn't try and preempt things. And then they're heading off to Ashton Kutcher's store, I think, aren't they? That's where kind of where we leave them i thought they were going to school and the kid went off on his own but (laughs) you could be right Um, you could very much be right i'm just trying to think of like in their introductory scenes where we kind of leave each each person Mm -hmm. um they're driving somewhere most likely to school i have another note here which is chubby messenger of love oh yeah the the cherub the the large cherub yeah um Yeah, what's your note on that? What's your note? Just it, it is it. just the chubby messenger of love because I oh, think it's one yeah. of the people that Jamie Foxx is interviewing on his mm-hmm. like uh, tour around Los Angeles, and he meets like a larger man who is like dressed as Cupid, and and he says, "I am the chubby messenger of love," and so I wrote that down thinking chubby messenger of love is going to come back, and he doesn't. So. Uh... <laughs> he does. He does. Topher sits next to him in the graveyard. Oh, oh you're right. See, I pay attention. (laughs) Honestly, like you two are brilliant. Just like Marty being like, you know, this is what like the screenwriter is conveying. This is a great character insight about her Anne Hathaway sort of like fluid adaptability. And Kyle being like, it all connects. Like you see him (laughs) in the background of this shot. You guys are making me want to rewatch this movie to see what other things I've missed. It's one of those movies that every time you rewatch it, you learn something new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I was reading an article the other day about a guy who watched Groundhog Day every day for a year and all the all the things he spotted. And I'm like, oh, maybe I'll watch Valentine's Day every Valentine's Day for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, maybe that's going to be my new routine. And then I have another line of dialogue for you. Call me Mr. Engaged. Which is, I think, Ashton Ashton Kutcher. Okay. Um, because yeah. we're just laying this on thick. Is he's like, I love being engaged. I'm so happy to be engaged, and everyone around him's like, Yeah, man, that's 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 cool. I'm a I'm a real real happy for you. Um, send me an invitation if you get when when you get married. Hope that works out, bro. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's we're then in the in the flower shop for a little while. Even his um his coworker. Yeah, it's his coworker. Um, the Mex- his Mexican best friend who name escapes me. Is it George Lopez? Jericho. I think so. Yeah, yeah. He plays Alfonso. Friend. Yeah, Mexican best friend is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he is not. He is not. He can't hide his lack of enthusiasm for their engagement. We're <laughs> um, shocked that they're. Yeah. Even- <laughs> Yeah. Okay, and my next note, this is where I owe you an apology, Marnie, because one of our last conversations we had before this episode was Marnie being like, yeah, I really don't like nuns. Like, nuns really no, scare me. Not- 
<laughs> so, conjuring scary nuns. So yeah, you were you did make explicitly clear, like, listen, I'm not terrified of kind of music. I'm not like a freak. It's <laughs> scary nuns. Uh, but as soon as the, as soon as the nuns appeared, I was like, oh god, what have I made Marnie watch? <laughs> and then the fact that the next line was like, oh, you should know we're Jewish. I was like, oh no, this yeah. is because Marnie asked, like, like, oh, why are you like having me on the show? Like, like, what's what's like your reasoning for it? And I was like, oh, you know, like, I think you're like, uh, like you're one of my friends. You're like fun to talk to. You're funny. You like bad movies and or you like movies and just a general. And now it's going to seem like a yeah. There's a really specific beat about judaism and nuns that i want your opinion on but yeah so there's some nuns who are in ashton kutcher's flower shop i do have to say i laughed really hard at that line with the whole nun thing the conjuring thing that let me preface the conjuring freaked me out that's why i don't like that movie it has nothing to do with religion of any sort but my religion is judaism and so that whole scenario made me laugh probably the hardest like last in the movie but that's a personal thing thank you once again get that (laughs) thank you once again for necessary backstory there yeah me just telling a personal joke (laughs) and then and then also there's the creepy doll scene so marnie do you want to speak about the creepy dolls in the country no um i'll I'll just be out no i was just i was making it up i was just like the conjuring i was like marnie you're terrified of the movie toy story (laughs) (laughs) yeah toy story next note Patrick Dempsey, Secret Family. Bang, it's out there. Mm -hmm. That wasn't surprising, based on how he was acting in the morning. Based on being Patrick Dempsey, I I just assumed right away, someone's got to be the villain here. Like, we can't have all these Hollywood stars and and everyone's perfect and Ashton Kutcher and having a wonderful time. So I was like, if anyone's going to be the asshole and the adulterer, adulterer, it's going to be um, Patrick. I commented to you, it's only two character traits were adultery and juggling. And that's all we kind of need to know about him. He's he's an asshole with no hobbies. Um, but one hobby. And he's got his own family. Yeah, he's very disciplined. Well, one it takes a Juggling's lot of effort to become a oh, good Oh, I meant sleeping around, but... <laughs> meanwhile i was like okay yeah i guess the women of los angeles are just easily wooed by juggling they're like oh there's like this rather attractive mime down the street like i'm gonna see what what's going on with him well there you go jericho you hobby to pick up (laughs) i actually um someone gave me a set of juggling balls in canada and i have uh tried and i am i'm not cut out to be a juggler unfortunately so uh My dreams of being Patrick Dempsey dashed once again. I'll need to become like a fantastic surgeon or whatever he is in Grey's Anatomy. Is he in Grey's Anatomy? Is that right? Yeah, McDreamy. Yeah, well, there we go. Um, (laughs) And then next note, hey-ho, here he comes, McDreamy himself, Bradley Cooper, and Julia Roberts. So like, I like Anne Hathaway, but maybe more, I think Bradley Cooper might be my favorite actor in this movie. And so I was really excited to see what's going on with him. And he's on a plane. Yeah, so I wasn't excited. I because uh, I don't know when it's when you go on a plane and it's an it's a very poor set as well. I want to put that out there. Like it doesn't look like a bloody plane. It doesn't move. They don't even try and do anything with it. And he's introduced with his foot as well, isn't he? Um, trying to open a window. Well, Julie Roberts is sleeping on his shoulder, and he's trying to like close the blind without disturbing her. And so he, because he's a gent, is old Bradley Cooper. Um, he then like closes the shutter with his foot, and he fails because he wakes her up. And then they speak, and she is a troop. 
And so she's coming back from somewhere non-specific, but based... Somewhere far. Yeah. Based off the time, we can probably, like, hazard some guesses. And so they strike up a conversation about, like, how long are you coming back for? Like, what's going on? Are you meeting a special someone? Like, how long have you been away? She's like, oh, I've been away for like 11 months. And he's like, how long are you staying? Like, uh, like two weeks, three weeks, four. And then she's like, oh, I, I fly out tomorrow. And so uh, Bradley Cooper, Marnie, Kyle, can you remember what his deal was? Because when he was speaking, I was just kind of like drooling and like he doesn't watch him. Right yeah, okay. she, she assumes everything. And she, she does the whole, you know, I'm going to run down, you know, you're the kind of gentleman that lets someone sleep on their shoulder and does yeah. this and that and she's got them all sussed Perfect. out um yeah she's got them all worked out or so you think almost like defensive as well that you know she isn't going to get involved with no man that tries to open her window with his foot um it's so... it's the bond vesper scene from casino royale of like <laughs> um your code that suggests often so i'll be keeping my eyes on our government's money and off your perfectly formed ass um, but it's that strangers reading each other kind of yeah. mildly flirtatious kind of thing. I do agree with you. Like, I mean, Bradley Cooper is one of one of my favorites in this film as well. I am going back to the comment that you were saying about how much Julia made for this film. It was a waste putting those two as yeah, the, the cast in the plane. Like, switch it up. And it's if you're paying, it on in there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I mean, I, I, I was convinced they wouldn't leave the plane as well. I thought their whole subplot of button heads and then falling in love is kind of my prediction. But they weren't going to leave the plane because Bradley and Julia have one day of shooting availability. You know, it's going to be minimal. We're not. We've got one set. We've got a spare costume we found from the hurt locker we'll give to julia and <laughs> you know we'll do it super quick it's going to be easy but yeah what a goddamn waste and um for the record i am not an anti-bradley cooper um sounds like you are done. kyle no, sounds I'm like not. you are he's just the star is not born yet he's not he's not there yeah. yet for me but yeah what a waste uh what a waste of both of them to be honest as well especially when you're shelling out that much money and, and again they're be... probably the most expensive or among yeah. the most expensive people to yeah to have do you think like at that time do you think emma roberts got paid or do you think it was like listen we'll pay you we'll pay you five million or we'll pay you three million and your niece can work on the film yeah but yeah so then we're back to ashton kutcher and so as i said i was kind of very worried about this film's attitude towards diversity being 2010 and like like now obviously I imagine Valentine's Day would look a lot different to how it currently looks. And there are lots of moments where we're veering very close to, and sometimes just straight into racism. So Ashton Kutcher is like speaking to a woman at the flower shop and she speaks English. Like she speaks English perfectly. And then he's like, does anyone speak English with a Bulgarian accent? Well, she she speak, she used to speak Bulgarian. She She's racist to herself as well. <laughs> Which is odd. <laughs> um, I also I also thought about this because I don't know if we talked about it, but um, the only reason Jamie Fox and Ashton Kutcher spoke is because his manager or boss was meant to do the interview, and Jamie Fox couldn't understand him. So because what's this foreigner speaking about? And then that's when Ashton Kutcher swoops in. 
So there's a lot of racism in this flower shop. This florist seems to be a hotbed of racism, and it all seems to concern Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> so um, I was a little bit, I was a bit wary, but it is 2010. Times have changed rapidly since then. This would be a very, very different film now. But yeah, this little Bulgarian scene was strange and doesn't go anywhere. It's just a throwaway gag, I think. No. To show how funny, isn't it? I I don't think it's like an isolated thing. Alfonso. Ashton Kutcher's sidekick, I think he like, he sort of ushers the two of them off like they're a happy couple and it's like, you guys can start a Bulgarian village together and in my head, it's a sort of like (laughs) youngish, 20-something early 30s woman and like a guy in his 50s, like it's the Hungarian man from Eyes Wide Shut Um, like, and so I was like, this is, this doesn't seem quite right, but they're like, you know what? You guys have Bulgarian in common, so it doesn't matter whatever else. Like, despite being like ha- like decades apart in age, you guys have your language in common, so that's all that matters here. Mm-hmm. But then we move on to it shows he's a good matchmaker as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we move on. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> we then move on to Topher. So Topher works in the mailroom of a big, like, agency, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's an agency. Yeah. And we have, like, his, like, the line here is, Valentine's Day always falls on a Thursday. Because he's like, no, no, like, this can't be Valentine's Day. Like, this is a Tuesday. And they're like, no, you're thinking of Thanksgiving. Like, Valentine's Day, the 14th of February is, like, a different day of the week every year. And then he's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) What am I going to do? So he's kind of panicking, trying to make reservations, work out what he's going to do with Anne Hathaway, right? Does it establish at this point that Anne Hathaway also works in the agency? No, I, I think it's like a scene or two later. It's shortly uh, okay. after. Yeah. yeah. Then, and then, we don't know that, how they know each other. We just no. know that they work together. Yeah, but it reinforces that it was uh, a hookup and uh, what, that they're not serious or committed as well. Yeah. So at least that was put through. This is the Queen Latifah agency as well, isn't it? Um, um, so we don't yeah. quite, we yes. don't, Marnie's right, we don't, I think, know it's the same place at this point in time, but we see Topher Grace in the mailroom and then we get like Queen Latifah is like the head of Anne Hathaway's work, which is like, this is where it begins to get a bit all over the place is we, we by this point in time i was like okay anne hathaway is like a phone sex worker that she's not like anything else because okay. she's taking calls on her work landline i like... couldn't understand that it was so weird <laughs> she must have re- like it must you said it, it must have paid really well or like I don't know, like the actual intricacy of how this business worked, because they could have phoned at any time. They would have, and they did. I don't get it. And she would just did, be yeah. like, "I have to take a call." Oh, bonjour. Because it's when when Queen Latifah calls it out on it. I um, mean, you know, there's a line where she's like, um, "Am I fired?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, fucking right." You know, you could have you could have missed out on a big agent or something massive could have happened because you were too busy being a Russian and having phone sex. Like, what the <laughs> and, fuck? And um, having the most PG phone sex, like the most non-graphic, just kind of like, "Oh, would you like me to step on your uh, throat, my little friend?" Uh, I don't know what accent I'm doing, <laughs> but like, it's it's all very PG non-graphic stuff of like. Oh yeah, you're just you're like a big baby, aren't you? You just want to suck a bottle, or like, like maybe I'll uh, 
like I, I want to <laughs> say even Spank seems a little bit too X-rated. Yeah. She's just kind of like flicking things, and she's like, "Oh, if that hit you, that would that like is that what you want?" It's just a lot of like, "Do you like that?" or like, "Is that good?" And then like, <laughs> so we know what Jericho's next job is: moonlighting as a sex <laughs> phone worker. Apparently, for, for sure. If it's that easy, I'll I've got stuff around here. I'll be rustling paper over the mic and being like, "Oh yeah." Uh, in fact, Forty accents at the ready. Yeah. What is this podcast if not an audition for me to become a phone sex worker? <laughs> Anyway, we then get on to Jessica Beale, who I had forgotten she was in this film. She was in I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry, which I watched a couple weeks ago. And she's the one having the anti-Valentine's Day party, isn't she, Marnie? Yeah, yeah she is, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of switched off for that scene. Does that matter? Not really. I think it just presents her as, I don't know, like desperate, like depressed. I, maybe those are big words to use. To describe her but she just seemed like unable to get control of her emotions and eating chocolate under her desk and you know like just mm. very triggered by the whole day which is the character arch that they built for her but it's kind of aggressive <laughs> yeah it's that weird thing of she's like i hate valentine's day so i'm gonna like surround myself with reminders of it everywhere and just like i'm gonna essentially torture well, myself question does, does this day make you drop so crazy and like act all out like how are you february 15th like are you back <laughs> right it's like, like a what? werewolf she just like buttons yeah. up her shirt it's like okay everyone yeah as we were <laughs> so uh yeah we we have her and like so i think she might have won or she was like nominated for um and i pronounced you chuck and larry and i was like she was kind of okay i think i defended her in that episode and here i was like "Ooh, you're not good because she is meant to be very sort of highly strung and has like a lot of moments where she's really sort of like anxious freaking out and jessica beale is like the opposite of that she just sort of like radiates like cool and like control and so when she's freaking out i, I just I she, doesn't, get... she doesn't give a fuck like <laughs> she just doesn't like i said at the time i've never she doesn't give a shit about this this is an easy payday for her easier than i'd now pro pronounce you chuck and larry she's grateful that jessica alba's there to overshadow any performance she's ever gonna do so <laughs> yeah she doesn't care yeah fair enough and so from the bad to the good we then have my notes are basically just me writing down the names of actors who are in this so we then it have helps us keep track of it yeah this <laughs> is the so point many. Where, yeah this is the point where everything's interweaving too fast and i might get back to topher you know like i don't i don't know what's going on there's too much slow down who's um, this what, what's happening here who's this we need topher star? on only fans realizing like Oh my god, that looks a lot like there's a Polaroid of me on this girl's OnlyFans. <laughs> so then we have Christian Shell, who is in a whole bunch of things oh. at this point in time. Newer best is Mel from Flight of the Concords. And so we should have introduced her by now. Taylor Swift is in this movie. So apologies to all the Swifties out there if they hate us I, I, for what we are about to say. Um, I also got really excited for Shal appearing because she's she wasn't credited at the start. I know wasn't top billed, surprisingly. Surprisingly, <laughs> you know, everyone else gets fucking billed. But um, 
obviously this is probably pre-fame or pre-literally every role on the planet or any animated show or you know this is like concord so you're funny as being like a supporting character in an hbo show at this point in time but you haven't yet so i got really excited that oh she'll get maybe that sort of geeky subplot or something or some something there's going to be something for her no, she's only there to speak to Emma Roberts, who pronounces that she wants to lose her virginity to her boyfriend, who's playing the trumpet or some shit. And Shaw looks mortified and crunches her can as well, which was which is a nice little bit of physical comedy. Like, you know, Shaw's great, and I got excited that she was going to be in it longer. And then she's out. She's gone. Fuck it. Move to Taylor Swift. And my heart sinks once again real roller coaster of a movie for you kyle hey oh it is isn't it (laughs) (laughs) so this movie like this scene's set at a high school for the first time so taylor swift's introduced earlier on she lives in the same apartment building as patrick dempsey i think patrick dempsey yeah because she met jennifer garner in the elevator yeah, she meets someone in the elevator and I was like, oh, I was like, she's, I thought I was like, I know the autobiographical element of who she meets on this film. So I was like, she can't, she must be in it more than this one scene. But for a moment, because she has some conversation about like, just like what candy or some Valentine's Day, she's got a bear or something. Anyway, yeah, she just portrays that and... I mean, I actually went to high school in North America, but she put that <laughs> like, standard, <laughs> that standard, like, dumb girl, pretty dumb girl in high school, which I've told Jericho this many times, but, like, the way movies were portrayed for high school is not actually how high school was growing up um, <laughs> in North America. But, yeah, it, it to me, it just kind of sucked. I was like, you could have just made her a normal girl like why does that matter she was so dumb in this movie is she capable of playing a normal girl though that's a good question that's that's the point you've got played her strengths marna you're telling me that at no point in your high school years did you travel back to the 1950s and ensure that your parents met at a dance and thus that you were conceived or like at no oh point yeah you... no that totally happened i forgot about that time where i jumped in a delorean but uh <laughs> the rest that of was it. like a blip, you know, compared <laughs> to the rest of high school. I'm I'm the opposite with Taylor Swift, where I was like, you want to cast Taylor Swift as the Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls. Like, that's kind of who she has to be. But in this, she's, like, dancing awkwardly. And so they she's don't wearing. know what she is if she's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like she's kind of, like, a little bit the quirky... Like, oh, like I'm such a bad dancer. Like, yeah, it's just it's it's so bizarre. And I don't know how to whether to put that down to direction or like Swift herself, because like, I, I wonder. Don't imagine there was much in the screenplay for her. I think it's not I'm not saying it's improv, but it's like, oh, shit, we got Taylor Swift. She's doing a few songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. Quickly give her a role, shoehorn her in, give her whatever the fuck. Well, and that's the thing is like this was the time where she was up and coming in music. I think it may have even been where she was transitioning from country to pop. So they yeah. they put her in there, you know, to add more what you know, push it over the top for the film. Yeah. It could also be possible that uh, she was. De- I, I do know she was dating Taylor Lautner at the time, so maybe she was in it for that reason. Like it. See, I thought they dated because they met doing this. Maybe some relationship sort of happened, whether it was on set or before. 
Yeah, that's like I, I said to Kyle when Kyle was saying something, I was like, the only thing I know about Valentine's Day is that Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift dated, and I'm fairly sure it's I because... told you that. <laughs> I had no idea of that either. I, I joked to you, I was like, oh, maybe the two Tay Tays will hook up or something. And you were yeah. like, do you not know? And I was like, know what? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, it's 2010. This is my dark age. L- listen, I, I have my chronology of, because I am a huge sexist and I judge Taylor Swift by the men in her life, I have my list of all of them, like John Mayer, Jake Gyllenhaal, Harry Styles, the Kennedy. Did she date a Schwarzenegger? I don't know. Maybe I'm getting these confused. Taylor Lautner. I'm just like, I'm obsessive with all the lyrics where it's like, we met on set of Valentine's Day. <laughs> And then you went away. I was like, oh, who could this possibly refer to? Is this, <laughs> is this about Harry Styles? We, we met in the twilight of your career. <laughs> the long lost album we're all waiting for. <laughs> yeah, so you said, Kyle, you didn't think she was involved with the screenwriting process. I very much think she was because like, she presents Taylor Lautner like, a gift where she's like, hey, happy Valentine's Day. And he opens it. And it's like uh like a jersey, like a sports jersey, and he cools up and like kinda, oh, oh. He's like, thirteen. Well, like thirteen's not my lucky number. And she's like, I know it's my lucky number. And I said to Kyle, I was like, I hate that I know this, but thirteen is Taylor Swift's lucky number. Yeah, and she was doing the hand thing that was something that she was doing with her fans and in her in her <laughs> music world then. So I oh. I do think that you're both right. I think she wasn't involved in the writing, but I think that she asked for specific elements of her career to be included. All all I can say is that this is going to be very rewarding on like the 17th watch of Valentine's Day when I hyper focus <laughs> on Taylor Swift's hands and the communication she's making when she's tapping out in Morse code or when she's like yeah. clapping to the beat of like uh, <laughs> shake it up and it's like, oh my God, she was shake it off rather. Greg, <laughs> Because, yeah, yeah, the reason I uh, know Taylor Swift's favorite number is, like, I've dated a number of Taylor Swift fans who are obsessed with, like, the weird numerology thing that she does of, like, she's very, like, yeah, like, sort of paranoid conspiracy theorist levels of, like, 13, and every album has to have 13 tracks, and this has to be, like, 13 minutes and 13. Yeah, no, Taylor Swift is hardcore with, like, sending secret messages and things. So maybe this wow. film does reward greater scrutiny. Jericho says it was his ex-girlfriend, but like... <laughs> yeah, no, Marty, no. stop giving away my secrets here. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to jump off her a little bit, go to her counterpart uh, with the same name. Uh, <laughs> he was one of the most normal actors in the film, in my opinion. He seemed like himself out of everyone. And it was boring. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Lo- I agree. I love most normal, but you're right. That's that's the most. That's the best way of putting it. He's he's just utterly normal, a regular dude, and he comes across as like like Marlon Brando because he's just grounded and real in a way that most other people are, and certainly Taylor Swift is is not. Yeah, day and night for sure. Yeah, and was this Taylor's first on screen appearance? Like in a, a film question. or anything? This was her first feature. So I I looked it up speaking to Kyle. I might like I said as like unless she had like a you know when Justin Bieber got killed in CSI or whatever that was, <laughs> like 
unless we had something like looked that. Looked up. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up in the mental rolodex of. <laughs> I went to my mind palace and uh, um, yeah, no, this was her. Uh, this was her first movie credit, and she had a great okay. career. She was then in the Lorax. She was then in the Giver. Uh, Cats, right. Amsterdam. She's gone on, and she's going to be directing the film, was, which will be coming. She was to good up. in the Giver, and she did well as a voice actor in the Lorax. Yeah. But this was just like you know, starting off on the wrong foot. Humble beginnings, humble origins. Yeah. Barney, nowhere humble but up from here for uh, old Miss Swift. And then <laughs> we have launched her career for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have our favorite character. The introduction of one Mr. Franklin. Oh, oh I the, love the, him. The MVP of the film. Because um, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't laughing up until this point. I mean, there's a few no. little chuckles or smiles. Yeah. Um, his introduction with um, uh, Jennifer Garner as his teacher. And I was asking the classroom full of kids about Valentine's Day. And do they know about Valentine's Day? What is it about? His hand shoots up this little... <laughs> 10 year old boy <laughs> and then he starts going on about the saint valentine's day massacre well capone that's how he knows it he doesn't know anything else about the romantic day and i instantly just thought yes this is me i love this kid this is um this is a weird little freak kid that's just going to be a little shit poster yeah he puts his hand up again as well afterwards doesn't he, he have a second line after well it. she goes to him like there's a question oh, where like all of the kids have got their hands up and she's like no franklin like you're the... not gonna go for the weird little robot Edison. You're gonna go for this cool <laughs> little kid over here. Like, yeah, absolutely. He is great. I took I took very few notes, and one of the main notes was Franklin is my favorite character MVP. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So like, I can't remember what his other comedic beat is, but there's a moment where like a kid tells him to shut up. Yeah, Edison tells him to sit down and be quiet. That's exactly. why Edison's a little dweeb. He's just this annoying little <laughs> shithead. Yeah, like... <laughs> Teacher's pet. <laughs> I-, I thought it was just a random kid until I saw Edison the next scene and put together like what they were wearing. I was like, holy shit, like the, the protagonist just told my man Franklin to like to sit down and shut up. I was ready to go to war for Franklin, where I was like, listen, like you might be the protagonist of this movie, but like you stay away from Franklin. <laughs> Riots in Franklin. Franklin's best scene was the soccer scene, if you ask me. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm just jumping ahead. I'm going to condense yeah. all the Franklin scenes together. Yeah. And then yeah. when it cuts to Ed- it cuts later, Edison's too sad to play soccer. He has a great line that I enjoyed when he's in the car going to it with... um. Emma Roberts, who at this point I still assumed was his sister. I didn't understand nanny. that it was his <laughs> nanny or babysitter. I don't understand why babysitters do this. And she takes him to see uh, the great line is, uh, you know, will you help me? And she's like, yeah, of course, but first soccer. And I was like, okay, okay, I like this girl. Yeah. Um, it takes him to soccer, but he's too sad to play fucking football because he's a loser. And then <laughs> in goals is Franklin, who's shouting, Franklin rules. And, um, <laughs> He headers it as well, which is something you pointed out, Jericho. You know, he, he doesn't even need his hands. He's such a good goalkeeper. He puts his top over his head. You know, he's not even looking. He still makes a save because he's fucking great. Um, <laughs> I love this kid. Like, I, I like how he gets random screen time as well for no reason. There's a little payoff later that I enjoyed. But this one scene here, you make your hero, your protagonist, good kid, look like such a loser. And I guess what is maybe the annoying bully is just so cool and energetic and oh, i loved him absolutely yeah. loved him. i'm 100 on board with you oscar winning scene 
this is our social media clip because it's been 10 years since Valentine over 10 years. But like I haven't seen Franklin unless he was like a little known actor called Timothy Chalamet. I don't think Franklin <laughs> grew up to anyone. So this seems like the kind of person Did that we find and tag on social media. No. And we're like, hey, can you tell us about the experiences uh, being Franklin? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking great. Yeah, you gotta look him up. We get him on. Uh, shadow tag him or whatever magic you do to get these guests appearing but um not edison though as much as i'm not no. gonna be mr razi and dunk on the kid it's not the finest performance the character doesn't help obviously by being written as such a little lame dweeb but he is cast because he's got that hollywood look of blonde eyes you know then blonde hair you know, nazi german look to him but he is so poor at it that you know i don't like it whereas the kid at place franklin is so naturally having fun and just getting to be a kid is great i yeah get him on the show okay so i then my next note is fooled by this shitty movie which i think i think is when jessica alba breaks up with ashton okay was like I, I, there might have been another point. I, I don't think this entirely makes sense. So um, there might have been another bit where they like suckered me. But surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, Jessica Alba is like, you know what? Like, I can't, I can't marry you. I don't want to. Now that I've, now that I'm not <laughs> half awake, now that I'm not half asleep, yeah. the answer is no. And she says to him her little bit of wisdom, like, you know what? My dad said to me, when you ask a girl to marry her, do you want her to consider it? Or do you want her to just know? And Ashton's like, kind of like, because he's Ashton, he's like, did you even, like, did you, did you, she's like, I considered it, but. Yeah, but this is another <laughs> point, so when, when she's, when she rightfully fucking breaks up with him, because it's weird, it clicked how time has been strange in this, like, a lot has fucking happened, and it's probably midday on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like, yeah. school's nearly out, the floors had interviews and all this work, and people have come and gone some athletes retired or whatever is happening in the subplot the plane's been in the air for 15 hours it's getting weird like time is getting really weird here and i, I forgot this was set on one day like i was like oh it's a week later yeah. and now she's considered it but no 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 like yeah two hours later i've so i've woken up i've had my coffee maybe it's a good thing i don't marry you ashton and then we get sad ashton kutcher as well out of it which fun for me um because he's not manic and jumping about but yeah like that was the first twist, I guess. I, I thought it was quite obvious, but I, I was, like I said to you, Jericho, I think like a Hollywood hack sometimes. And if I had to write this in on one day as well, like the screenwriter did, that's exactly what I would do. And it also limits Jessica Alba's time, which is strange because she is like top build. Well, that's what completely, that's why I'm, I felt embarrassed to not get it because Jessica Alba is like just completely like, you don't see her when she's not in the scene with Ashton Kutcher. And if she was genuinely going to be like his fiance, she would be like a character we follow, and we would get oh, yeah. her storyline and her sort of experience of like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm engaged, I, like I'm telling my friends, but she's treated like the villain, like the like she's the wrong one that you get engaged yeah. to. And this is this is instantly shown. And again, I'm jumping all over the place, but um, yeah. when Ashton Kutcher goes to the school to see Jennifer Garner. Okay, okay, and... let's. I I'll, I'll stop you right before? here because I. I've missed a key plot point, and I only just realized I didn't deal with it in my notes. <laughs> so Patrick Dempsey is sending notes to, he's sending roses to the women in his life. Um, yes. And he oh, goes yeah. to Ashton Kutcher's flower shop and is like, I need a, 
some roses sent to uh, <laughs> some woman. And I said to Kyle, I was like, how much are we think in here? How many? How many? And you were like, two, three. And I was like, 35. I think it's 35 secret families. Um, but he's like, hey, Ashton, like, you know what? Like, confidential, like, do me a solid. And so Ashton takes the uh, takes the sort of like dictation of the address and the names. And that's when he realizes that uh, the the recipient of one of these roses is his best friend, Jennifer Garner, his girl Friday, Jay Garn. It's because he, he he checks his ID or something and he knew his name or whatnot. Yeah. I believe that's why, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so he has like that moment of like that dilemma, like, oh, am I going to tell my friend that like she's the other woman? Like she doesn't know. And he decides. And that's what bothers me about how Hollywood this film was. If this was reality, I'd be like, okay, here you go. Picking up the phone and telling my friend. It was so ridiculous. As soon as he turns his back. (laughs) Hey, your boyfriend just came in and bought two different flower arrangements for two different addresses. Might want to check on that. Like, Uh, well, (laughs) this is where, like, you had a completely different approach to like uh being like oh unrealistic hollywood whereas me and kyle were just like ashton kutcher that piece of shit because he he's kind of <laughs> agonizing about like oh do i tell her whatever and he mm-hmm. kind of doesn't do it until he gets broken up with and is immediately like on the phone to be like mm-hmm. well if i don't get to have a fiance if i don't get a woman this guy certainly doesn't get two i need to tell her right now <laughs> um <laughs> And just to cover, this is where we learn Carmine's name, because Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Alba's like, you know what? No, like, I'm conscious now and I don't want to marry you. And he's like, okay. (laughs) Conscious? Um, Well, come on, Carmine. We're hitting the road. And even Carmine doesn't want to be with him. Carmine, like, jumps on the bed or whatever. And he's like, no, I'm staying. (laughs) Really digging, digging in in there. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry, Kyle. This was this was where you'd. I I realized your plot point fits in between here. I think. Yeah. I right. He drives to the school and yeah, she's teaching a class. With he just waltzes in. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, he waltzes in, gets her out of the classroom for a moment to. I thought to tell her about Patrick Dempsey, but obviously not. I think I've misremembered that already. He has a rose in his hand. He has the box as well because that's when the little dweeb Edison says where's my where's my roses i paid you 13 dollars for you and ashton's like yeah what, what, you ordered what the deluxe package my friend that was 50 dollars yeah. <laughs> um, hey, what, what 13 dollars you know he scammed the little kid so i thought this is angry you know evil ashton that i was kind of looking forward to but i've actually <laughs> forgotten what my point was so whatever yeah um at this point though i realized this is this is what they're going for the best friend that gets cheated on the two heartbroken best friends and they're gonna <laughs> fall in love and and this is when i was firing off all the plot points to you as well when everything was starting to click and i was like don't think of surprises kyle think of hot hollywood writer everything's gonna have to fall in place uh everyone's gonna have to meet their other half and everything's gonna have a nice resolution there were still points as well sorry i think the best friend love story clicked for me a lot earlier um in in order it goes you know ashton proposes we see uh, Jennifer Garner's character with Patrick Dempsey and then we see him uh, we see her come to the flower shop we see that friendship and then we see Patrick Dempsey's character with his wife and then the flower scene 
once that scene happened for me, that was like, okay, he's getting screwed because that was already set up in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> he's getting screwed. Mm-hmm. And they're best friends. Yeah. You know, even in the flower scene when she was uh, in the flower shop scene, when she was at the flower shop, she was like, eh, this relationship. Oh, she said, yes, I'm shocked. You know, yeah. that kind of for me and, 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 you know, everybody gets it when they get it or, or, if, you know, if they don't, whatever. <laughs> but um, that for me, was just kind of like, so cliche and like that standard Hollywood mm-hmm trope right thank you very much marnie we were going to be coming to you there for like a please make sense of what me and kyle are trying to speak about <laughs> here because i can't remember Everybody's going over the place. <laughs> see there's a moment it's what throws me off is um so again i'm just leaping all over the place you guys are gonna have to <laughs> rein me in um is when jennifer garner delivers her moment to patrick dempsey in the restaurant right yeah. Later, oh no, right? no. I think I think we've got we've got more. The plane scene comes before that. Well, okay, right. Go back. To <laughs> He's your going scene. on a point. He's going on a point. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll I'll bite my tongue. You talk about the fucking Bradley Cooper sitting on a plane. No, 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 go no, ahead, no, no. Ashton Kutcher's plane scene. Oh, oh airport. 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 Yeah, yeah. Airport. Sorry, thank you, Marnie. That's the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, because we have that like rom com again. I'm gonna say it. Love Actually moment where he like at least Love Actually. I think. Was love actually pre nine eleven? Anyway, um, yeah, friends. Like I thought, friends isn't friends got the, is yeah. yeah. Every rom com has the rush to the airport, and so Ashton Kutcher is like, "Well, now I'm single. I need to tell Jennifer Garner the truth, and for her own good." Um, and he runs to the airport and is like, "Listen, I'm doing a rom com thing. I need to get through." And so me and Kyle really like this actor, who is like, he's like, he says. Yeah. This counter is for oversized luggage. That counter is for oversized people. That was um, a good laugh. <laughs> and then, uh, like, Ashton Kutcher's, like, desperately being like, hey, buddy, like, do me a solid. You have to let me through. And the guy is like, listen, I'm a 52-year-old man wearing a blue shirt to work. Do you think I give a shit about what's going on with you? And they sort of have that back and forth. And then eventually, he does he buy a ticket? Whatever, he gets through. No, he gives him one. Because he makes oh. some sort of, again, yeah. cheesy rom-com line <laughs> to the dog in the kennel. <laughs> and the oh, guy's yeah, like, that's, dog, yeah. that's enough for me. I'm going <laughs> to give you a free ticket and you could run through the airport without your shoes on. <laughs> okay, now apologies for interrupting. He finds Jennifer Garner and then tells her enough of the truth to plant that seed of doubt that her dream relationship may not be as she had previously thought. Um. So yeah, there. Do you want to do you want to take over, Kyle? Because then it's the restaurant scene, and I have no okay. thoughts about that. I I don't really have. I, it all just comes together for me in this one scene, right? So Jennifer Garner is disguised as a waitress. I don't think she works there, does she? No, yeah. no, no, wait. Because it it comes to my point. She's undercover, <laughs> right? Yeah. Patrick Dempsey's sitting there with his wife Valentine's Day. Time's weird. We don't know what fucking time of the day it is. Uh, um, Jennifer Garner comes in as his waitress and he's shocked. Oh no, I've been caught out. She does this massive fucking monologue about how the special is pig's heart or pig's testicles shoved up an anus and spoiled or something. It's haggis. It's yeah, basically yeah. It sounds <laughs> delicious. Say, eh? and all the other customers, all the customers around are shocked and appalled. Or what's going on? Um, she pulls out the toy heart. I think he gave her at the start. Yeah. And yeah. um, puts it on Good the table, back. and 
the wife starting to click as well. Like, oh, something's going on here. Like, I've seen that cheap. She's like, you juggle. And the wife is like, he does juggle. How did she know this? So like that's okay. It's a fun little scene. I'm having fun. This is this is a little bit entertaining for me. I, I like Jennifer Garner in this film as well. I think she's one of the better actresses for me. Um, yeah. But this is my mark out moment. This is my this is my biggest smile. Is when she's leaving the restaurant and she thanks the actual waiter and he's like, oh yes, I my kid loves you in school. You know, Franklin talks about you yeah. all the time. And he's like, <laughs> she's like, oh, but, you know, he has such a good imagination. And I'm like, fucking Papa Franklin saves the day. Like, <laughs> all ties together i'm so happy get back to toby Maguire, and i'm just gonna be fucking topher grace rather and i'm gonna be so happy so that's it that's just like my first my last like laugh and pop moment i was so happy to see papa franklin he doesn't get a love interest though you know franklin's gonna be a no motherless child for the rest of his days but i was so happy that this all tied together and this was the last moment of franklin glory for me um, and well then, kyle you're um, going off on this story and i'm thinking where is he going with this and i'm like oh my god he's gonna talk about franklin's dad <laughs> i went nowhere as well i was like never seen before never seen since he's not there at the soccer game you know he's too busy working as a single dad yeah. he doesn't get the day off on valentine's day we like, love the franklin can... family oh, we stab them so hard <laughs> we need to get Kristen shall in as franklin's new mom <laughs> exactly there's a there's in my sequel this is all going to come together don't worry (laughs) because because marty asked she was like so do you think you've got all the all the connections and i was like no me and kyle have missed like massive swathes of like very important characters like emma roberts having no idea but we've certainly got everything related to franklin we've got like yeah (laughs) well that's it we haven't spoke about the athlete that should tie it in who's played by insert name here um because oh. it has no relevancy until well the end really um and it's just a padding essentially there's there's athlete who's who's it played by eric um he's also in Grey's anatomy eric oh, all comes together hold on i got it right here my only note for him is eric I'm gay. gay. sorry oh yeah well yeah so like they, they drag out he has a car crash with ashton no with mexican ashton kutcher's friend i think <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> that's the one and he's he's randomly throughout it you know he's he's got these jamie fox wants to get an interview with him he's in this all this padding that's just taken me away from franklin what's taken me away from toe for grace even the main part of it his big reveal is he's gay no one seems to care because why would you 2010 people are, are you gay. retired get over it. they still want to know i think yeah, i like, think his on, purpose man. was to be a connector like if you think about it yeah he connects you know, I thought the forest was though. There's a couple characters that are connectors. I they thought don't Franklin was a connector. Kyle, <laughs> you're making a big web here. Marnie's right. You need lots of points of intersection to bring this together, and he's for sure one of them. Yeah, he's, he's got his publicist. He who is um, queenly? No, um, Jessica oh Biel. Thank you. No, yeah. not Jessica. Yeah, Jessica Biel. Yeah, and yeah. and There's then too many Jessicas in this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then he's got his agent, who's Queen Latifah, who works at this and then this and then that. you know they all connect even back to Topher Grace and <laughs> and Franklin. So <laughs> I think I think that was his purpose was to and you know he gets Jamie Fox gets his moment with him mm. and whatever he's a connector, but he didn't serve much of a purpose besides that. Yeah, what you said about the about the connectors is a great point because I think in my head I've seen connections where 
they weren't there because we get Emma Roberts drops Edison off at like his uh his grandparents and this is like a truly bonkers scene and me and Kyle were a bit confused because we were like I was like hang on what's this dynamic because we'd missed the nanny babysitter thing and Kyle was like oh no like she's like her her sister he's like she's Edison's sister I was like no 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 we can't she can't be Edison's sister because in another scene that we forgot to mention, we saw her mum catch her boyfriend completely naked with a guitar. Yeah, we kind of skipped the high school kids. <laughs> <laughs> the, the losing your virginity angle, not so not so fun. Although I guess we're going to come back to it, see my next note. So I was like, no, 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 we've seen her mum. And we know the one thing we know about Edison is his mum is out of the picture. And then what's more important is like Shirley MacLaine and like her husband's like uh, story. So like Emma Roberts is kind of like asking for advice, being like, like, oh, you know what? Like I'm thinking of like sleeping with like my high school boyfriend and like we're just like looking for the perfect moment. He was interrupted because my mum, he stripped off completely naked and then my mum walked in on him. And Shirley MacLaine and Mr. MacLaine, John MacLaine, he was like, he was like, she's like, well, you know, it's not as if like he's the only guy like I'll ever have sex with. Like, this doesn't matter that much. And so John McLean is like, well, this like this might be a surprise, but like me and Shirley are like the only like we were our first and only. <laughs> And this is just so insane. Like um, Emma Roberts looks at Shirley MacLaine, and she just withers under her uh, withers under her like gaze. As like this secret that I've kept for like fifty years. Presumably, I now just need to get it out because of like the penance stare from Emma Emma Roberts. I was like. I want to see just like uh, like a montage of all the times that she's previously thought about revealing it, where she's like, oh, no, I've just never spoken to like a teenage girl about because she's just like, oh, you know what? That's it. I need to I need to come clean. And I think it's a, I think it's a gap in the storyline. It's it's so dramatic in one way. <laughs> yeah. And it's again, going back to that, like Hollywood trope cliche kind of thing we've been talking about is it. It, it was a reason more for their storyline to continue. It was a reason that it's, it's an aggressive way to do it, to have a teenager make you feel like you have to spill the beans that you slept with your husband's business partner 50 years ago. Why did Emma Roberts ask her babysitting child or whatever's grandparents? I, I This confused the fuck out. It must out. be close or something. Well, it's, a, it's a North American culture thing. Like Marnie will okay, tell you, that's just babysitters well, are more of a... They're more open with their kids. It's it's, it's a nanny job, which is different than a babysitter job. You're you're okay. involved more in the life. You're not just showing up at night. Like you're... It's, you're imbued ethics. Me, it, it's like uh. a, a third parent in a sense. Like, you know, he, she's okay. helping them pick him up from school, take him around, like, it's her job, okay. but like she's more involved in their life. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. So the 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 um the connection I was predicting before it was revealed was I was like, holy shit, Shirley McLean is sleeping with Patrick Dempsey. We're gonna learn that. <laughs> <laughs> but alas, Marnie's right, and it was like a business partner from fifty years ago. But that's enough to jeopardize their their marriage. 
because Mr. McLean he goes off and is like, you know what, like, like the thing about like the truth is it can make everything else seem like a lie. So I need to just drive and clear my head. Mm-hmm. It is a good line though. It's, it that's is a one good of line. The most truthful lines. Though, in, yeah, in the- I was, I was like, did the did the screenwriter write this or did they find this in a fortune cookie or something? Because I was like, this <laughs> line is more insightful than everything else in the, yeah. in the movie. <laughs> And then things are beginning to wrap up. So my notes begin to run out here. Mr. McLean goes to Hollywood Forever Cemetery where he's watching a movie. Like, I don't know. It's not a marathon. It's just like one movie starring his wife. Yeah. You you missed the Topher Grace scene that connects to this. Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> That's when Topher Grace gets to sit next to the Cupid as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so, the, so, the so Kyle's there. backdrop. Yeah, yeah, Kyle's backdrop. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Do one of you want to want to tackle that? Go ahead, Barney. <laughs> I think it's just yeah. so we see them. Like I guess now it's placed in this hotel, and we see Jessica Alba checking in with the dog, and that's that hotel. I don't know if it's the same hotel restaurant that Patrick Dempsey and his wife were at. I kind of yeah, thought so, I but thought it, it could be not. Um. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then, yeah, they go and have dinner because his, you know, mailroom chums convince him to go have dinner with her at a long well, table where you have to sit this, next is to a, a bunch is of this strangers. North, is this an American thing? Yeah. No, because it's Maybe. Just, Canadian. not here. Maybe. American Maybe. Thing. Um, North American, just the continent, you know, the, the yeah. <laughs> school-like dinner table, you know, like, I just didn't. It was weird. It it must be an overbooking kind of thing. I guess LA, you know, it's such a big city. It makes sense. But here in Canada, I've not experienced it. So I don't know. Because <laughs> Holly, uh, Hollywood's a weird place. And we'll co- I come to that, but I, I, I didn't believe when we get to it about the cemetery scene films. Like this, that I thought that was a weird joke or something. But you told me that yeah. was real, Jericho. So That's a real Hollywood thing. might just be a bunch of freaks and i can believe that they all just sit on one giant table i'll i'll stand by that Um, (laughs) and i and they make a joke of it they make off because one the people the couple to the left are basically fucking next to them and then the couple on the right because are like breaking up yeah yeah so there's like but here we are yeah but here we are just on our second date or whatever second time of meeting um, and Topher gets a little line with the waiter, you know, because the waiter's overly pushy about the Valentine's Day. And he's sort of, oh, is there something on the menu for just two weeks friends? Of my, yeah, two weeks, <laughs> it might go somewhere. And then this is so how I predicted this, that I thought it was going to get a bit more wacky hijinks. But I was like, oh, the phone call, the phone sex will start going off on their date. And she'll have to run out. Because um, she picks I it up. Like, again, this was like, she's getting called in her work landline and then she's getting called in her personal cell and in the middle of a date and she answers it and is like, listen, I have to take this. And I was like, no, why would you, like, what kind of like sex worker are you where you're just available on call 24-7? But it, co- <laughs> it comes clear in a few minutes. Like she yeah. talks about, once, they, once she goes and takes yeah. the phone call, he eventually follows her outside, hears this yeah. conversation, thinks she's cheating or whatever their yeah. relationship dynamic is. Yeah. And that's when she's like, hey, I owe like 100K in debt. I'm so strapped for money. I have four different jobs. This is one of them. Yeah. I, You get it once you hear that. But I agree with you in that moment. You're just kind of like, why the hell are you answering 
the phone yeah. <laughs> in, this, in this farm table scenario of a date like i i got really this is me and my hack brain was writing as that topher was gonna phone her uh, you you were going on jericho <laughs> about his kinks and i was like how great would it be if he was addicted to phone sex or something and he couldn't pick up because she was using the russian accent what something. if he put on a funny what voice and just yeah, like exactly. it's like a you've got mail like he's like oh my <laughs> like my kink itself. is i speak in a french accent i'm like oh bonjour i am monsieur venom um <laughs> if this was real life and you went on this date and this happened to you like there's certain things in the movie that happened the the cheating with the 50-year partner and this particularly struck in my head i would never go on a date you're two weeks in you're like okay this is weird red flag bye yeah well, like cool for says really but they've taken polaroids it? marnie like it's it's moving so right. fast too late like... <laughs> um, it's one of those things where you just have a connection she brings you coffee she reveals to your landlord that you're not gay so like yeah. even on paper <laughs> it might not seem but you pass the key relationship landmarks of like confirmed sexuality brought coffee polaroids that you're in too deep what more do you want yeah no i i, I like i like the reveal as well it was actually handled like marne said a lot more tastefully and it made more sense the way when Anne Hathaway explained it. Topher's reaction is like, yeah, it's a bit fucking strange. Uh, He's anti-sex worker. This. That's that's all um, there is to yeah. it. Yeah, a different time. Yeah. Um, no, I think so he... there's nothing wrong with this scenario. I think it's more just, again, the underlying lying. Like, yeah. yeah. You know? It's like, like the shock of like, to. oh. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't yeah. need to be something she hides from him. Like, it's not, no. you know, it's not, it's not like she's I in have a damn a bunch of dominatrix dead, or, yeah, right. Yeah. I've, an assassin at night it's no it's just she just puts on a silly accent and makes exactly yeah, yeah, and has exactly. pg rated conversations with a bunch of men who phone her at all hours of the day and night yeah yeah so this is what leads to topher grace having a spare ticket and um, to go see a movie in a graveyard which is a totally normal thing hollywood people do apparently um <laughs> you know and this is uh he meets shirley's husband at the because he's also going alone as well because that's what you do apparently um you know he gives a spare ticket to shirley's husband i think doesn't he yeah uh, well, so... don't they go every year isn't that the premise is well, that they usually go to watch it yeah, yeah because yeah yeah um because this is a real shirley movie that's shown yeah. as well do you know which one it is jericho have you done your research no, sorry. Uh, the only <laughs> Shirley MacLaine movie that I can name from her youth is probably The Apartment. If it's not The Apartment, okay, I, it's not Bernie, then I'm not going to be able to tell you. I, I know her mostly from um, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, Sarah the Clint Eastwood film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, ain't, it ain't that, so I don't know what it was. But it was, it was actually sure It was Shirley. It was so her, I, yeah. I noticed that. I thought that was nice. Um, that's a nice little bit. And she has a dramatic entrance shouting for her. My, I don't know what's what's her husband's Edward? name. I'm I'm just gonna my husband, Edward? my husband, Edward, know. Edward. And so they they reconcile at this point, and that clicked to me, and I said it to you. I was like, this is gonna inspire my homie to go, and all that matters is the truth. And if you like someone, you like someone. If you love someone, you love someone. Stop fucking about. You know, it's only phone sex. And I knew that yeah. was gonna inspire Topher to go back to Anne Hathaway. So that was nice. I'm glad I predicted that. That was my last like prediction, probably, from the film. It was Hot Spell, was the movie. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So, yeah, yeah, they have that sort of, like, yeah, they have that interaction where they each they each help each other. And then Shirley MacLaine turns up and is reunited with her partner, Hector. Did that, is that what we decided he was called? 
Uh, we He's said Edward. So many names. <laughs> okay, Shirley's Shirley's husband. Shirley's yeah. husband. The actors, the actors, Hector, and the character name is Edgar. So she's reunited with Edgar, and they sort of have that nice, like, stand-up, real-life mirroring the movies, where they're kind of like they have that embrace, and people are, "Hey, sit the fuck down. Yeah. We're trying to watch a movie here." <laughs> um, but. Things sort of like are all all good with that angle. This is where we get the trifecta. So Topher Grace explains that like the deal with Anne Hathaway was she was a trifecta. She was smart. She was sensitive. She was sexy. And so, but then like, who knows? Negative points for like lying to you about being a, for not immediately disclosing like, hello, I uh, have a sort of like prank phone call line where I like, phone Chinese restaurants and order in a funny voice. <laughs> I think it's worse that she just kept going off on the date. Like it, you it's can rude. do what you want. You, but... can, you can lie to me, just don't be rude. That's the yeah, exactly. cardinal sin here. It's like a superhero <laughs> thing of just like, oh, sorry, I need to run off to the nearest phone booth. And, uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so this is sort of concluding my notes. The one, the one, one final one I have, which is relating to Kyle's thing about Hollywood sickos, and it's like a side character who is the reporter. Why is he even interviewing them? Do you do you know? Like he's interviewing like the school kids? Because he's deputized oh, yeah. for like Jamie Foxx. Because oh, Jamie Foxx leaves at some point. Yeah. Um, to, to go get go... the interview with the, yeah. the so athlete, yeah. Jessica Biel to get that interview. That's how their kind of romance starts. Yeah. And um he tells his his cameraman to take over and so he continues to go and do the fluff pieces and that's how that interview happened but why is he interviewing school children <laughs> okay i just wanted to make sure there wasn't an answer that... <laughs> no one knows i just wanted to make sure there wasn't an answer that i had missed um because he's interviewing school children seemingly about their sex life well not school children it was high school students so well, they're under 18 so technically they're children was he talking about sex or was he just saying what are you doing for valentine's Day? oh maybe you're probably right marnie that is probably the same way of looking at it but he's like what are your plans for in my head he's like what are your plans for valentine's day and emma roberts is like i'm gonna lose my virginity to my high school sweetheart and he's like "Ooh, bonus <laughs> and then he watches like the tailors make out and he's like oh i wish i was still at high school like, yeah, he has like was... a really creepy line <laughs> he's very creepy um that that's weird I, I guess that's just another scene to have the tailors make out or whatever like you said i don't know if they were together before or during but either way fuck it like but it's weird and it's creepy and um I don't know what when this was in the film either. This is where it's all just blurs together, scene to scene. Yeah, but we are we're rapid on the home stretch. We've got our big two reveals to come up at the end. Okay, I can remember one of them. Okay, well, what you go first? BC. <laughs> BC is the only one I remember. Okay, well, I I remember he's not an orphan because his mom's Julia Roberts Edison. Ah, uh, of the course. Reveal. She has she has another. She, Another hour on set, so we'll put her in quickly and make most of our money. And that's the only 
love see he he asked out the indian girl as well when he asked out jennifer garner which feels like a fever dream i feel like i'm just saying stuff now and no that's right um, he goes to, it, like there's lots of things that were missed you know <laughs> emma roberts character tells her boyfriend we don't want to sleep together they were at the indian restaurant because whatever edison goes to say to his teacher that he loves her and she's like actually uh, your classmate whose parents own this restaurant right over there is the one who loves you. And then he's like, okay, I guess I'm 10. I'll go and give him something. Yeah, he gives her the rules and he's got a line like, I- I've got nothing else to say. Yeah. So you sit there in silence and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. he also and then... like, he helps her decide that she needs to be with Ashton because Ashton's clearly like, hey kid, we'll call like, we'll call it even. I'll forget the 34 bucks you owe me. If you say to your teacher, like, sometimes the real guy you're meant to be with is right in front of you all along. Maybe he's like a best friend or something. And you should probably run and meet him actually, right now. Is that a real scene? Like, does he actually say that? He does say something along, like, it, I'm, I'm simplifying it, but he does say like, oh, like, sometimes love can be like with a friend or whatever, or like... Like Kyle, what does he say exactly? No, doesn't but, Jennifer Garner say that to the kid, and then she's oh, like, "Oh, I convinced myself." Yeah, you're right. Actually, no, the kid <laughs> says the kid says something like, "But what is love?" And then she sort of like tells it herself, of like, "You know, it can be anything. It could be sometimes more. Like sometimes a friend could that could grow into." Yeah, she's like, "Yeah, you know what? If she likes the same things as you, that could be like a good." starting place and maybe like she runs a florist shop and oh my mm. god i've made a huge mistake yeah and so she runs off and so my my favorite reveal is like before we find out that that julia roberts is edison's mom the plane goes their separate ways and bradley cooper's fed us like a little bit and i can't believe we've spoken about him so little but bradley cooper fe- feeds us a little bit of like he doesn't really like he's like i don't like candy and like i don't like whatever mm-hmm. And I was like, we know so much about like Julia Roberts being a troop, but we don't know about Bradley Cooper. And then he's like, just hey, know let's... that he's heartbroken. I think that was the only like that's why he didn't like candy or whatever. We just yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, he's like wounded. He's like a deep man. Yeah. And then like uh he's like, you know what? Like she's like trying to get a cab from LAX or whatever. And he's like, you know what? No, like take my limo, like it's okay, I've got it for and I was like, What's like what's his deal? I was like, he's got a limo. I was like is he the indecent proposal thing we pitched? Is he Robert Redford? Is he just like a mysterious billionaire? Because we then have Bradley Cooper Smithers who's driving her, and he's like, "Hey, he let her, he let you have the limo." Yeah, he doesn't really do that for everyone. And so There's she kind of sorry, I got to interrupt real quick. There's <laughs> a scene at the end credits when they're driving through the limo, and the limo driver goes, "Oh, we're on Rodeo Drive. Have you ever been here?" And she, yeah, you know what I'm talking. <laughs> They reference Pretty Woman. Sorry, I had to interrupt for that. I... Ah, uh, yeah. I, I was like, oh, I got so fucking annoyed. I was, um, I don't know why. I just irrational because I was like, you're getting paid three million for this. You don't get to fucking reference better films, even if it is your star in it. I think it's the same director as well. Yeah, that's the one oh. thing I I clicked on when I was trying to find out about the Mother's Day, New Year's Eve, whatever sequel spinoffs, whatever. But yeah, you were Jericho. You were like, oh, I wish every single one of them was referencing better films. That no, in, no, um... you said to me, yeah. you were like, I wish they would do that, and I was coming up with the references. 
but you were uh, like, okay. oh, let's just have everyone be like referencing better films why you not? could be watching. At this fucking point, yeah, why, why, why the fuck not? When you're going to have such a large ensemble like that, like you may as well throw in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why not? I hate to make it worse for you, Kyle, but when I was looking up the Shirley MacLaine thing, Julia Roberts got paid like three million like base salary, but she also got points on the back end of the movie. So she made like about 10 million for being, <laughs> for being in this movie. See, the thing is, fucking franklin's carrying this movie and he'll get <laughs> fuck all <in. laughs> like justice okay so the bradley cooper thing the the limo driver then drops her off she says franklin wow franklin's mom is alive and she was just serving and then bradley cooper he reaches his destination which is with the like football player and that's Eric when Green. yeah that's when it gets revealed Bradley Cooper is gay, and that's like that's that's the coupling for him. That's it, yeah. And I was like, "Whoa, Didn't hallelujah!" Some a, a break from the <laughs> heteronormativity of this movie crammed in in the last two minutes. But wasn't yeah. something I was expecting to see. Least of all, Hollywood hunk Bradley Cooper. Well, I didn't. The, the last thing I didn't expect, I think it's the final scene, is when uh, Queen Latifah takes over the phone sex business. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, I mean, Latifah's a, Latifah doesn't get a love interest, and despite being so high billed, she's barely in it, so it was nice to see her wrap up things. Everything's wrapped up. That's Everything's got a nice little bow in it, and everything's <laughs> happy at the end. And it was interesting, too, because, like, Ashton and Jennifer Garner get together at the end, and they have this kiss, and they're like, they pull away, and they're like, that was weird, which is super normal. And then mm-hmm. They're like, let's try it again. And suddenly, roll the credits. Magic. You know, magic, like, got the firework. It makes no sense. <laughs> I was thinking about it just now, though. The entire film, with everything interwoven, Ashton and Topher don't share a scene, do they? Um, I don't think so. Not that we I don't get it. Okay. No. We don't get a 70 ish. They're kept apart completely. Um, so many, so many times. There's so many, yeah. There, I don't know. I I would have thought if you're going for that seven. Oh wait, no, there is a seventy show reference at the very fucking start, isn't there? When uh, is there? Hathaway's phone goes off and Topher's like, "Is that something from the seven? No, he's like, "Is that techno?" Uh, for her phone when it first goes off, and he's like, "Oh no, it's something from the seventies." Um, mm. a ringtone right at the start. I guess that I guess that might be a reference, but. Um, especially because they're throwing in references to everything. I thought you'd have put them together at one point. I'll tell you on Watch 49, Kyle, once I've deciphered all the references <laughs> to Taylor Swift, I will then tell you if there are any, any Easter eggs to that 70s show. <laughs> I would have loved for a Kelso moment. <laughs> you can't flip the characters like that. So Okay, so that basically concludes the film. But, of course, this film, this isn't just your regular bad movie podcast. We are, first and foremost, a Razzie podcast. So, of course, this film was nominated for four Razzies, all of them acting acting nominations. So, I know them. Kyle doesn't know them. Marnie, do you want to hazard a guess? Do you know? Do you want? To, do the two of you want to guess which four people are nominated well, for Razzies? I'll, I can go first on my ones. I've got two men and two females. I don't know if that's the case. So Ashton Kutcher is a lock-in for me. Um, he is the face of the movie. He's the lead star, and he's not great. It's easy to dunk on him. I think he'll be definitely one of them. I think Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift. Um, I think Taylor Lautner, because I asked you, A Twilight came out this year, and I don't know which one came out, but one of them did, you said. 
So yeah. you can't you can't escape it. If you're in two films and Mr. Razi has his eyes on you, you're fucked. Um so <laughs> Taylor Lautner, Taylor Swift, Ashton Kutcher, and one of the Jessicas, you could flip coin and it could be Beale or Alba. If if one of them's in another film this year, that's the winner. <laughs> okay, Marnie, do you wanna do you wanna guess? Well, I agree with the Ashton comment. Uh, when you're like the face of the film, it's kind of hard not to. Um, and I thought you said Beale won it earlier, so I'm gonna go with Beale. Otherwise, I don't know. Like maybe Jennifer Garner more because it's just like it's such a her film, and mm-hmm. that is a very like you know I thought of her in like Thirteen Going on Thirty, for example, and yeah, it's 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 very similar acting and personalities not that i didn't like it but it was just a good option um i don't know maybe we're gonna throw a toe for grace in there just to bother kyle <laughs> <laughs> so you were both right with ashton kutcher he in fact won worst actor for okay. killer and valentine's day so yeah it was the classic like kyle said if you were unlucky enough to be in two films then the eye of Sauron is on you and there's really no escape. <laughs> yeah. And then in the same category, we had Taylor Lautner in the Twilight Saga, Eclipse and Valentine's Day. I would say he's not a lead actor in either of those films. No, definitely um, not this. No. He's on one of the bottom tier. Like I, I would say Ashton Topher, they're the main two males. Mr. McLean. The <laughs> <laughs> they're the main Edgar. two. Um, Franklin, they're the they're the three leads <laughs> in the film. Um, yeah, no, he's not a lead; it's supporting actor. Yeah, but again, Mr. Razi didn't have a clue. But again, that's two for two. I'll take that. And then we have worst supporting actor, George Lopez. So he played Alfonso Rodriguez, the uh, the sidekick, but he was also in Marmaduke and The Spy Next Door. So again. Yeah. Like, no one's going to watch this and focus on Alfonso. I'd be like, that guy stinks. Like, it's... I forgot about him. Yeah, um, I I forgot about him even going through the actors in my head. I told non-entity, so it's a surprise. But like you say, he's in other things, and I assume they're bad as well. So you're fucked. And then (laughs) our our final one, which you were both, like, in the vicinity of, we're supporting actress Jessica Alba, the winner for... The Killer Inside Me, Little Fockers, Machete, and Valentine's Day. Wow. <laughs> I'm not having Machete. Um, not at all. But no, yeah, I mean, she isn't good in this. She's barely in it, though. No, uh, I, I think Beale probably would have taken it over her, but when you've got that run of four other films or whatever, like you say, the eye is all on, there's no escape in you. So, oh, well, I'll take that. That's a two and a half out of four. Not bad. <laughs> so, yeah, just to, just to power through our regular things. Marnie, do you think this is Razzie-worthy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just one of those feel-good family movies. That's It served its purpose to be cliche and whatnot, you know? Yeah. I'm, I just think you haven't subjected yourself to enough of this because I had a brilliant time and I'm, re- <laughs> I'm willing to fight for Taylor and Franklin and all our friends. I had a blast. <laughs> So this wasn't actually nominated for Worst Picture because it was just the four acting nominations. And quite right, quite right, because I would be taking severe issue if this had been up for anything <laughs> more. 
Kyle? I, I think it's kind of on the head. I think there's nominations for actors in here, probably yeah. some winners as well. Uh, as a film, this was easy to watch. I, I will forget. I've, I've forgotten about it already for the most part. Didn't you watch quite... it like an hour ago? <laughs> yeah, I know, but like... <laughs> I see, like, Rambo, I can go in scene by scene and stuff, but I, there's too much going on. I understand the nominations for the actors. I think 2010 is a horrific year for movies, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think it would be in the top five. I could be wrong. Once we get to 2010, I can't even remember what the winner is for 2010, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a horrific fucking year. So it's probably going to escape it just for that. I, don't, I didn't enjoy it as much as you did, Jericho. We'll go through that quick quick fix you know how i'd make it better i think if this just was trimmed a little bit if you take out some of the subplots condense some of it down it's too much too much going on i i, I was getting confused between jessica's and <laughs> who the fuck's jessica beale what's she doing and what who's what's going on um if you just t- took out some bits took out the jamie fox as well why is jamie fox playing a piano in an indian restaurant because um, it's a soloist might... reference kyle he's making a reference <laughs> to one of his other uh his other better films i agree with you kyle though i think that some things could have been trimmed like it was definitely uh unnecessary addition but yeah so yeah just trim a bit more franklin I'm a happy boy. Um, yeah. Roll credits. Honestly, just make the movie about Franklin. We don't need it. <laughs> Franklin's day. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very much in line with the two of you. I think like you just make some subtle changes. You maybe get someone to do another pass on the screenplay and be like, "How can we get more jokes like the blue-shirted fifty-two-year-old man and just like stuff like that?" I think the bones were pretty solid um we have paul thomas anderson direct and just make it a bit more like magnolia no i think i think this i think yeah just any little tweaks of probably losing some of the less interesting storylines and just like marnie was saying earlier on better utilizing your cast of not having julia roberts and bradley cooper on a plane i think it could have made some little changes that would have had you cooking so one final note kyle wasn't aware that this movie was the trifecta and so he looked up afterwards and what i obviously knew this and you knew this barn as being like one in like a bunch because these things make a lot of money and hollywood is like oh so we only need like 30 seconds of julia roberts to sell this as a julia roberts movie they then made like uh new year's day and mother's day and kyle was like we're gonna need to like tackle these other two so Marnie, can we rely on you to join us for Mother's Day and New Year's Day when we eventually yeah, tackle those for specials? <laughs> We've got to, I, I've seen I, I've seen they were nominated. And I guess once we're especially once we start running out of actual winners from Worst Picture, we're just gonna have to go through every fucking nomination there is. Keep this keep this a podcast on life support until you cry. I don't know why you're getting all fucking facial at me there, Jericho. You love this movie. New Year's <laughs> Eve could be even better, you know. I'm, I'm I actually watched it. it on New Year's Eve. We didn't finish it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is we've got like 10 months for New Year's Eve. Uh, Mother's Day, it depends whether we're doing Canadian Mother's Day or UK Mother's Day. Um, how long we might have to wait for that. But thank you very much, Marnie, for joining us on this Yes, thank this you very episode. much. It's been an absolute blast. Thanks for having me. I'm, I was looking forward to it and I look forward to uh, 
whenever we decide Mother's Day. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> again, do you have anything to plug or promote on our on our uh, show with a listenership of five? Anything you want to shout out? Any causes <laughs> near or dear to you? Kieran supported independent cinema in Scotland. No, um, I unfortunately do not. I live a very average, boring Canadian life, so nothing to plug here. <laughs> and I'm about to hop in my DeLorean and head off to 2015, the glorious yeah. future. What will things be like then? Well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thank you again. Thank you, listeners, for uh, listening. If you want to follow us on social media, then we are at Watching Worst, where you can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, if that's your thing. We're not going to judge. And you can get in touch at watchingworstfilms at gmail.com. So, yeah, send us all your questions there, mm-hmm. fan mail, Franklin fan mail, um, suggestions for future specials. That is where we can be reached. And next time we are going to be bringing Rambo First Blood Part 2 to you. Did I get the title right, Kyle? Is that it? Yeah, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Terrible title for a all right, film. Um, <laughs> you know how my excitement is on Rambo. You know, my love for Stallone and the franchise in general. I've said a million times it's not the best. It's one of my least favorite ones, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be good fun. This is one of your big pillars with Star Trek and Freddy Got Fingered being the others. It's so the bottom I'm... tier of this pyramid, though, this pillar. It's okay, the, yeah. It's the my least enjoyed. Freddy Got Fingered, Star Trek Five, and then Rambo, First Blood Part Two. These are the my three favorite films out of the Razzie winners. That's good because I am a little bit worried using that metaphor that you're standing on these and we're just going to be, you're going to be getting more unstable as we knock this pillar out from underneath you. And you're like, oh no, it's all just going to be Battlefield Earth and Emoji (laughs) movies. How am I going to cope? So you can join us next week for that. And in the meantime, all that remains to be said is a happy Valentine's Day to you, whether you're a a guy that runs a flower shop, whether you're someone who runs a sports agency. Whether you're a kid that refuses to be told to sit down and shut up (laughs) from all of us at watching worse films, have a happy Valentine's Day. Peace out, guys.